Because God, whatever we do, whatever we say, let our life reflect you and your love. So God, we love you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Kids, you are dismissed. Head on back to the back right corner and learn about Jesus. Thank you to our worship team. Always thankful for our worship team. Always thankful for every member of our worship team. Today, three of them have my same last name. So it's kind of <laughs> and I said that to their chagrin. They're like, get off stage as quickly as possible. No, but thankful for Pastor Matt and the team that work so hard each week to help us to seek Jesus in worship through music. Morning, church family. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are glad that you're with us at Faith Church. And um, as, as we continue our, our time together this morning, as we continue our worship every Sunday, one of the things we just want to uh, remind you and invite you to is that uh, in addition to worshiping and studying God's Word and in lifting our voices and in staying our prayers, uh, we also uh, each, each week have the opportunity to worship through our giving and we're thankful for your generosity, God's generosity, to our church family uh, through your generous giving. So uh, if, you're, if you're, uh, this is your church home, if you believe in what God is doing here, you are partners in what God is doing here, then we're thankful for your um, gracious giving through offerings. There's boxes on the back wall. Those of you that have the Church Center app can give right through there. There's a number that you can text to give. So... Uh, those are just things we want to make you aware of as you uh, worship in that way. Well, I was not going to be up here this morning. Uh, I have been up here the previous uh, four or five weeks, and I was not going to be up here uh, this morning, but in the last 24 hours, we have shifted gears. Um, uh, that's due to a couple of, of things, but mostly due to illness. You can uh, pray for Pastor Jake and family. They've just been knocked back by some colds and in our recovering, but, uh, but uh, we needed to change things up for this morning. So, it might feel a little different this morning, and yet God is sovereign and in control, and I'm excited and confident that he is, is going to be at work within our church family here this morning, because we know that the Word of God is living and active, that when we go to God's Word, it does not come back void. So, certainly, uh, we have opportunity to hear from the Lord every time we open his word. And so uh, we're looking to do that this morning, of course. And, uh, and I think this morning we're going to have opportunities to set aside some time for you and I to interact with the Lord, to go to him in prayer, to listen for his voice in our lives. And, uh, and I, I, I know that he will uh, work in and through us. So open your Bibles to John chapter 6. This is where we're going to be in a couple minutes. I'll start reading in John chapter 6. Uh, in the back part of your Bible, the New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to be in John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are four Gospels or four stories uh, of the life of Jesus, four biographies of the life of Jesus. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll find John. Turn to chapter 6, and in just a moment I'll start reading there. But uh, we are in a series of messages that we have called uh, the Heart of Christ, because every Sunday here, um, the past couple Sundays and the next few, we are going to open God's Word together. We are going to turn 
to some scripture. We are going to study it together, hear from the Lord. And in this series, we're asking in particular as we study these passages that God would show us a glimpse, that he would give us insight into the heart of Christ. Who is Jesus at his core? What is his most natural disposition, posture toward us? Uh, you know, what, what is his heart? That's what we want to see uh, as we study God's word here in this series. So the context of today's scripture, when we start reading in John chapter 6 in a moment, the context is uh, perhaps familiar. You may have heard of these couple of miracles of Jesus. There was a time when people were listening to him teach, and there was thousands of people there, and Jesus uh, did this miracle of multiplying a small amount of food into enough to feed thousands. Have you heard that story? Have you heard that true story? And then, and then shortly after that, uh, Jesus had somewhere to go, and so he just started walking across the lake. Walking across the lake. So you just like... Things we've heard, perhaps, and yet things we don't take for granted. We've got to put ourselves there. We've got to imagine it. But that's not where we're going to start this morning. This morning, as we start reading in John chapter 6, verse 22 and following, is just after the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. So we're going to, I'm just going to read several, uh, several verses aloud and invite you to follow along in your Bible. And, uh, and let's just ask the Lord to give us new eyes and ears to hear what he has for us this morning. John chapter 6, starting at verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, They themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Uh, Nick, it just feels a little hot and loud to me. But I don't know how you guys are feeling, but I just want to. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it, Nick. So verse 24 was, So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25, when they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly. Well, I'm backing up for a second. He was with them at one location, right? And they wake up and they're like, Jesus is gone, but there was no boats that went there. So how did he get there? There's some confusion there. I think that's funny. Uh, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, You are not seeking me. Uh, You are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, not because of the miracles, not because I uh, I walked on water, not because of of this power that, that I showed with my multiplication of the food. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus is saying, it seems like you're following me because you got fed. You were hungry and you got what you needed. You needed food, and, and, you, and you got it. Verse 27, he continues, Jesus continues, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man 
will give to you. The Son of Man is Jesus referring to himself, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, the Son of Man, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who the Father has sent. This is what you do. There's not works to do. There's not effort on your own part. There's not trying to match up. There's not doing things to please God and earn brownie points and hope it's good enough. Jesus says, Jesus says, here is the work of God, that you believe in him who the Father sent, that you believe in Jesus. Here is the work of God, that you, that you put your trust, that Jesus is the Son of God, come to rescue and save and forgive. Verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you, uh, then what sign do you do? What miracles are you going to do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? They asked Jesus. Because our fathers, our, our, our ancestors, the people of God, uh, the Israelites, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As, as, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to him, them to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. That sounds good. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. It's me I'm talking about. Instead of, he said a few verses ago, he said, quit chasing after the food that, that, is, that is temporary. Keep, quit chasing after what you're, you're longing for in temporary ways. Uh, I am the bread of life, Jesus says in verse 35. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is one of the first of several statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am. The same words that God said of himself, I am. This is Jesus not only saying, I am God, I am the Son of God, but then Jesus in these several statements in the Gospel of John explaining more about himself. And this, this first one is Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Jesus is saying, I am the ultimate nourishment. I am what you need. I am what you hunger for. That longing that you have within you. Jesus is saying it is, it is him who truly satisfies our spiritual hunger. With God, uh, without God in our lives, we search. We, we have longings. We are spiritually hungry. We, 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 we are, are lacking. There's something missing. We long for what or who is missing. And Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the answer, the satisfaction for your soul, the, satis the ultimate nourishment for you spiritually. When you are, are living life and wondering what's missing and needing to be in relationship with God, along comes Jesus to say, I am the bread of life. Verse 36. Jesus continues. But I said to you that you have seen me, 
and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So backing up a minute, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me. Church family, are you listening to these words? Let these, let these penetrate your heart and mind. Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never cast out. Because we've, we've asked ourselves these, some questions like this in this series as we desire to learn about the heart of Jesus. Who is he? Who is he at his core? What is the way he approaches us? What is most natural to him? What do we want to see in God's word about the heart of Christ? And it's that phrase that we get to kind of think about a little more today and this week is that whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never cast out. And he doesn't need to say that. He wouldn't need to say that. He wouldn't think to say that. He wouldn't make sure that was in God's word unless something in the human heart needed to hear it. You know what I mean? Now, when we're doing well and life's going well and we're close with God and we're feeling spiritually fed and nourished, maybe we don't have some of those questions and struggles and fears. But if you're anything like me, then there are moments in life and difficulties in life and times where we ask difficult questions like, yeah, I know Jesus says come to me, but is he going to accept me? What if I go to him? I want to follow him, but... Is he going to have me? I know who I am. I know what's in my heart. I know the thoughts that cross my mind. Is Jesus going to, does he even want any part of me? Jesus said those words in verse 37 because we have a tendency, we have a fear that we will be cast out. that That we will come to him and he'll reject us. And I'm not just talking about those of you that don't yet know Jesus or haven't yet become a Christian. I'm talking about those of us that have been Christians for a week or a month or years and years. I I think if we're not careful, we have a tendency to picture because of our mess, because we know what is true about ourselves, because we know how far from God we can be and how rebellious our hearts can be, we think that if we go to God, that if we turn to Jesus, that we will be cast out or rejected. That Jesus will not want us because of who we are deep down or what we have done. So if you relate to that at all, if it hurts to hear that a little bit, if it stirs in our minds the things that we know about ourselves and we maybe have those questions occasionally of, I want to follow Jesus. If I go to him, is he going to receive me? With that kind of sitting there in our hearts and minds, I want us to act out a conversation with Jesus together. I'm going I'm to ask for your help. You're going to read lines on the screen in just a minute, and, and the, the, you're going to be playing the part of yourself. Okay? So the lines are going to be on the screen for you, and you're going to read the line, and then I'm going to read the response playing the part of Jesus. I am not the rescuer son of God, but I am about to play one on TV. 
So we're going to act out this conversation together. You speaking for you, us, yourself, humans, believers, and me answering uh, in, in, as Jesus. All right, let's go to their first line. Is it on the screen? Oh, it is on the screen. I couldn't see it in the back, sorry. Okay, go ahead. I know. I know it all. I understand. That's the only kind of person I am here to help. Then let me carry it. Not for me. Then I am the one most suited to forgive them. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. We tend to think about, we tend to think about our sins and weaknesses. Uh, we tend to think that our sins and our, our failures and our weaknesses are, are what disqualify us from being able to go to God. We, we want to follow Jesus. We need, we, sometimes we recognize our need. We want to we be with God. We want to follow him in our lives. But we think our sins and our weaknesses are what disqualify us, and they maybe make us hesitant, and then maybe we don't turn to him. Maybe we don't run to him when we need him. But when, in fact, our sins and our weaknesses are what do qualify us, Church family, yours and mine, our sins, our failures are what do qualify us to approach Jesus, to go to him, to be welcomed. His default posture is not a pointed finger, but open arms. It's our sins and our weaknesses that do qualify us to approach him, to go to him, to be welcomed, to be forgiven, to be loved beyond what we could imagine, to be forgiven of sin, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, and to be given life, life now and life eternal. Uh, the, I should have said this a minute ago, um, but the exchange that we just did, the, the uh, imagined exchange conversation between us and Jesus was taken, I took it from this book by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. And we've been mentioning this book recently if you've been around, but um, Gentle and Lowly is a book that was a tremendous encouragement, blessing to me several months ago um, when it was recommended by a friend. And uh, as a result of that, 
Uh, the publisher contacted us and gave us the opportunity to have a bunch of free copies. So if you haven't already heard, we want to give you uh, one or two copies free per family. One or two copies. You're welcome to take uh, one, one or two per couple per family. There's books on a table in the lobby. If you're joining us online, you're welcome to swing by here at church uh, anytime. And outside the front doors under the carport, there's a box of books. And so you're welcome to grab them. We want to give these away. We, if you'll read it, if you want to track with our series, um, you can go on our website, faithchurchdallas.org, and go to the news and updates, or pull out your church center app and go to news updates. And every week on Sunday, I'm, I'm posting a, a link that'll give you resources of what to read, which chapters to read, if you want to follow along, some discussion questions that you could use with friends or reflect on yourself in your own times with God. Um, so we just wanted to make that a resource available to you. Uh, so we'll look for those, and we'd love to ha- you to have your copy. But let's, uh, let's just finish reading. Um, let's get back into God's Word, into John 6, and just finish reading that passage. So we left off, of course, verse 37, where Jesus says, All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Let's read just a few more verses. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, who looks to Jesus and believes in him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says there in verse 40, this is the will of the Father in heaven, that everyone who looks to Jesus and believes in him will have eternal life. This is why Faith Church exists. Faith Church exists to help people meet and follow and be transformed by the risen Savior, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus. And so we've had an opportunity then to be uh, in God's word in John 6 and to hear that he is the bread of life. We've had an opportunity to consider that while we may think we can't approach him, we've been reminded that it's our sins, it's our rebellion, it's our weaknesses that qualify us to run to him and that he will not cast us out. So now we're going to have an opportunity to share together in the Lord's Supper. And uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, or, or communion as it sometimes is called, up here there's two tables in the front where we have the elements, the crackers, and the juice. And uh, in a few moments I'll explain how you can get your cracker and juice and how we'll sh- spend some, some time sharing in those together, sharing in the Lord's Supper together. Um, but here's the situation when we share the Lord's Supper. We remember back to that last week of Jesus' life on earth, the night before he was crucified. Jesus shared a meal with his disciples, and, and, and that meal that he shared with his disciples, and he gave instructions that they would continue to share in this way in remembrance of him. That last meal with his disciples the night before he was crucified was the beginning of this tradition that we, followers of Jesus, then get to come to the table together and, and share in the Lord's Supper together today. It's a t- I love that this about, about the Lord's Supper is 
as you grab the cracker and the juice, as we eat and drink, it's a tangible reminder. It's, to be, it's, it's intended to be a tangible reminder of what Jesus has done for us. It, it, the bread and the juice represent the body and the blood of Jesus given on the cross for us. So we look in, I'll read to you from 1 Corinthians 11. And this will help us to, you can just listen if you'd like. This will help us prepare our hearts and minds to share in the Lord's Supper together. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So we're going to take a a couple of minutes here where I'm going to stop talking, and I'm just going to leave some silence, and I'm going to encourage you to take a moment to spend some time thinking, reflecting on what we've talked about, considering uh, what the Holy Spirit, God himself living within you, might be causing you to think or feel or consider. And we're going to take some time of silence just to examine our hearts as the Scripture invited us to. The Scripture said, whoever therefore eats the the, uh, bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty. So let a person examine himself. This is an opportunity for you to, in silence, examine your heart. Submit yourself to God. Ask him where things or life or actions or words or thoughts or attitudes have been yours, not his. Ask him to show you where, where you are straying away from his good plan for you and what's best for you. Examine your heart. Submit yourselves to the Lord. When, if the Spirit brings about recognition of sin, points out something to you where you've been in rebellion against God, then take the opportunity to ask God for forgiveness to repent of your sin, to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus, to say, Lord, forgive me. I recognize that about myself, and I know it is not glorifying to you. So take this time to do that and and just acknowledge your need for him. It's a good place for us to spend some time before we share in the Lord's Supper together. So go ahead. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our good and loving Father in heaven. Father, thank you for being a God who hears us, who is not so distant that you are uncaring, but God, you, we thank you that you are a Father who loves his people, loves his children. Thank you that you are a God who hears us When we come to you in times like that, in times of prayer, in times of self-examination, confession, forgiveness of, uh, seeking forgiveness of sin, God, thank you that you hear us. And as your word tells us, thank you, God, that if we know that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just 
and you forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And God, as we grapple with who we are and the ways we fall short of what you have for us, God, we are so thankful for your son's words that whoever comes to him, he will never cast out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.